is Free Talk Live, where you can take control of the airwaves, talk about whatever is important to you, 603-283-6160, if you'd like to do that, that's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And coming up, the White House wants to restore your faith in government. Shockingly, this does not mean they intend to dismantle government, which is about the only way they could restore my faith in it. The wording is also interesting. The key word there is faith. It is absolutely uh, the key word. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about that. The upcoming pandemic treaty, the World World Health Organization wants people to sign a metaverse marriage being pimped by the New York Times as some groundbreaking thing and people just eviscerating that, as well as the FBI just being corrupt, hiring prostitutes, which they're not supposed to do. And they would never like. corrupt. No, no, right. The FBI? The, the shining bastions of policing <laughs> and enforcement and upholding the law in the United States out there hiring hookers, which mm. I mean, good for them. But they're not supposed to do that because they're the ones enforcing the laws that say that people can't do that. But here in New Hampshire, we have more exciting news, at least for the rest of the people in New Hampshire. The constitutional amendment that was put forward by, I think, nine state representatives. Somehow it got whittled down to seven. So I think maybe somebody dropped out. Okay. Yeah. Well... That's still, unfortunate for them. Step seven's a pretty pretty good number. The maximum is ten. If I was a state rep, I would be honored to have co-sponsored this thing. I don't want to be a state rep, though. I mean, it's a hundred dollars per year. You got my vote if you decide to run. <laughs> it's a useless thanks. I appreciate yeah. that. I, I don't see myself running for state rep. Maybe as a Democrat. You're qualified now. You've been here more than two years. That's true. And you know, running as a Democrat, it would be very interesting in Keene, New Hampshire. Well, that is my next political affiliation yeah. is the Democratic Party, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what I'll do, you know, make these decisions on the spur of the moment. I didn't even plan to run for mayor until you right. reminded me that the filing was coming up. I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Cause- it costs $2, by the way, to <laughs> run for state representative in New Hampshire if you are a Republican or a Democrat. Right. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I mean, you can, you can collect signatures, I think, to get that $2 waived if you want. You could. If but, you want to spend the hours and hours <laughs> it would take you to collect, I think, 120 or 150 signatures. Which is no easy task. No, it's easier just to pay the $2 for sure. And you can collect signatures, I think, to get on the ballot as a libertarian or something or as some yeah, other unaffiliated party mm-hmm. but really it's it's not worth it there's there's enough openings within the cheshire county and the city of Keene where you can exploit it to great success mm-hmm. and it's a lot of fun and because of the strong republican alliance with the free staters well i don't want to say there's a republican free stater alliance because there really isn't the no it's more like a republican uh free state or takeover it really is and it's been very successful yeah to the extent that there's something like 40 liberty free state or reps in the state house yes correct and they some of them have put forward a constitutional amendment i don't even think it was well some of them yes but the the bulk of the people on this particular bill i think are just new hampshire natives uh really people who've lived you know who are not quote-unquote free staters at the very least i don't recognize the majority of the names i only know two of them uh mike sylvia who is the the prime sponsor and is a free stater meaning he is a liberty activist who migrated to new hampshire as as uh, you and i did although you and i aren't technically free staters um but he is and uh michael um michael matt matt santanastaso also a free stater yeah and what this bill would do 
if passed by the House of Representatives. Yeah, 60% of the House, 60% of the Senate in New Hampshire have to pass this in order for it to appear on the 2022 ballot. And if it appears on the ballot, then it's basically, it's binding if it, you know, 50, if it passes, right, if it passes and appears on the ballot, 51% of the population is all it would take to Incorrect. vote yes. 67 or 66.6. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Okay. I thought yeah. it was just a simple it's majority. Super majority. Super majority. This is a big, you know, it's a yeah, big sure. deal, right? You're, you're talking about a constitutional amendment. So yeah, you got to get two thirds. And it would allow, it would cause the state of New Hampshire to peaceably and immediately declare independence from the United States government. Yes, and and it isn't some sort of like like you said, it's immediate as soon as this thing passes, it's a done deal. Basically, there is apparently one other step and that is the governor has to proclaim it, but I don't think he can avoid that. Like this is what the people want. So, the government governor has to basically do that from from my understanding. Uh, it would be very interesting if he refused <laughs> to do what two-thirds of the populace just just voted for. I suspect uh, there's something within the Constitution that binds him to do that. I suspect. I've not looked that up personally, but I did just learn about that extra little so interim has, step. So it's not official until King Sununu himself declares. I proclaim that I am now the president <laughs> of New Hampshire. Well, Sununu loves power, so he may very well be all about that. You know, this, He might be. He this might makes be. him President Sununu. But he also really loves the federal government, and he's a total tool for the federal government. So he's definitely going to yeah. be on the attack against this particular amendment, as are the uh, the Republican officials, right? Like the top dogs, the the. the party chairman because the republican party has not been fully taken over by the free staters they just have a lot of influence in it at this sure. point uh and so the old dogs are gonna you know they're gonna go against this for sure uh, it's gonna be very interesting to watch this happen and one of the things that makes this particularly historic is that we're gonna have a public hearing on this yes they can't avoid it every bill in new hampshire has to have a public hearing. This is one of the reasons, if you go to the look at the 101 Reasons Why Liberty Lives in New Hampshire, there's a great little documentary. You can go see it at 101reasonsfilm.com. There's also a PDF version on the Free State Projects website of those 101 reasons. One of the reasons why New Hampshire was chosen as the destination for the largest libertarian migration is because its political system is incredibly good. Like, politics sucks, but on the scale of political systems, New Hampshire's is accessible, and it's fairer than a lot of them, which is why okay. every single bill gets a hearing. For example, in Texas, you know, Texas, that free state, which is a bunch of malarkey. Yeah. Uh, but in Texas, earlier this year, there was a state representative who put forward a Texas secession, quote unquote, bill. And I say, quote unquote, because all it would have done if it were to have passed would have simply been a resolution or a. Um, it's like a non-binding resolution, basically, that says, we, Texas, are going to start beginning to look about thinking about how to start beginning to consider seceding, right? Like one of those sort of things. One of these meaningless, watered-down Brexit-style things. What? Not even. Just a, just a consideration of a thing, right? Like we're going to okay. just start thinking about how to do this so it's like talking we're about consider it. looking into right. how we might do Brexit. That's, that's it. Yeah. What a waste of time. That's, that's all it would have been if it passed, but it didn't even get a hearing. The people, oh, I'm not at the, surprised. the people at the top of the political pyramid in Texas, the loyalists, the Empire loyalists, cut that thing as soon as they could, and it was just buried. And in New Hampshire, they can't do that. That's right. Now, I know the city council meeting that you attended Wednesday, a bunch of people showed up to speak against the mask mandate. And That's right. 
it's, we're probably going to see a mask mandate anyway. So here in Keene, in Keene yeah. these hearings don't really matter. We, there's no possibility for the voters to actually influence the city council. Is that true at the committee level of the state house? It, I think it does matter. Okay. Uh, from from my understanding, so Mike Sylvia, the prime sponsor of this legislation, you know, he's a state representative. He sits on these committees. Uh, I think he's on the Judiciary Committee, so he's not on the committee in question here uh, that will be hearing his bill. But he's, you know, he spends time in committee, and so he believes that if you can pack a committee hearing, it's going to sway some reps. Because there's going to okay. be some – obviously, there's going to be reps that have already made up their mind, right? Like that's just the way obviously. people are. But there's still some of them who are going to get blown away if we can turn out enough people to not only fill – because normally like a, a hearing room for a, a bill has no more than 15 seats in it. It's just a small little yeah. room. There's 20-something reps, like 20 or 21 reps, and then there's maybe 10 to 15 seats for the audience. Are and there that many reps on some of these committees? There's usually about wow. 20. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, there's 400 state reps and there's sure. like you know 20 committees. Uh, so only 20, that's surprising. I don't, there might be a little more of that. I don't don't know. Anyway. So if you can fill that room up, well, then they have to take that to a larger room because they, they have to let people in to the hearing. So then they go up to a double size room where you can fit like 50 people in. And if you can fill that room up, I suspect we can, then they'll put it in the, the reps hall, which has 400 seats and that's as big as it gets. So if you can do that, you're going to start to sway some reps. 603-283-6160. We're going to tell you why we're talking about this bill again. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, where you can take control of the airwaves and talk about whatever is important to you. 603-283-6160, if you'd like to weigh in with your thoughts and opinions. That's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Arya and Ian discussing the exciting New Hampshire Independence Constitutional Amendment, where mm-hmm. even the people of Cal Exeter looking at looking at us with a bit of envy, like, man, you guys, you came out of nowhere yep. and just took first place in this race to independence. Well, you know, it seems like we came out of nowhere. That's true. From the outside. But the reality is this took years and years of, you know, getting state representatives elected and uh, Mike Sylvia, who's the uh, the 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 prime sponsor of this particular piece of legislation, which is, by the way, the number has now been assigned to it. That's the big news. Is It's CACR 32 here in New Hampshire. It stands for Con- Constitutional Amendment Concurrent Resolution. It's a bit of a mouthful. But and Mike Sylvia, he's he's not on like his first term as no, a state rep. I think it's like his fifth term now I think at this so. point. So he finally felt like, all right, it's time. So I think that he probably has been a supporter quietly of New Hampshire independence, but just didn't feel like the political winds were, you know, shifted around. The, the, you know, state reps to some extent are you know, always licking their thumb and sticking it up the air to see sure. what, you know, what they got to do. And Well, uh, they want to push, I mean, the libertarian state reps, the free stater state reps, they mm-hmm. want to push the government toward freedom and they can't do that if they go straight to 100 miles per hour and lose their next election because they there's no political support for you know right. a declaration of independence at this point he's willing to go ahead and risk it and say all right well i've had a good four terms let's let's <laughs> go with this and see how it goes uh, and so he filed this thing he got co-sponsors almost not quite the maximum but a large number 
of co-sponsors. And uh, they filed this thing a few months ago. We've been just basically waiting as the slow gears of government have been turning behind the scenes. The bill- yeah, this thing got filed in like September. August. Yeah, okay. I think beginning of September. So three months later. Uh, they finally know, have a number to put on it. It's finally got a number. And the, the Legislative Services Group, this is a bureaucracy of, I guess, attorneys that work for the state. They have to go through all 800-plus bills. So they do have a lot of you know work on their plate sure. to do in three months. And so essentially what they do is they take the, the proposed text from the legislator. They kind of work it up into the official format that it will appear in for, you know, as the bill and make any necessary changes to it. In this case, no changes were made to the actual bill text, which I'm just going to go ahead and read it here for listeners that have not heard. Uh, it will say this. Potentially, right? So the, the question is, should this – the question to the reps is, should we put this on the ballot for people to vote on? And on the ballot, it would appear as this. Are you in favor of amending the first part of the Constitution by inserting after Article 7 a new article to read as follows? And it would be this. Article 7A, independent nation. New Hampshire peaceably – declares independence from the United States and immediately proceeds as a sovereign nation. All other references to the United States in this Constitution, state statutes, and regulations are nullified. And then also on the ballot, it would have a voter's guide to to sort of help translate for the voter. I mean, we kept this thing simple. You and I, Aria, were in this sort of working group with Mike Sylvia that helped hammer out the, the text of this thing. So that's the actual – what I just read to you was the proposal of what will go into the New Hampshire Constitution if this thing is, is accepted by two-thirds of the New Hampshire voters in 2022. It's nice and succinct. Very succinct. You know, what, two sentences or something like that? Anyway. I mean, but, we we worked hard in that email group over a period of weeks whittling this down to be as simple and clear as possible yes. just so they couldn't pull any sort of shenanigan. And there was a lot of you know discussion and such that went into this. But one of the things that the legislative services people do is they kind of take that text in and they boil it into a voter's guide. So on the actual ballot, in addition to that question and the proposed amendment text – You'll also have this. It'll say, at the present time, all in caps, then New Hampshire exists as a sovereign state of the United States of America. Then, all in caps, if the amendment is adopted, then New Hampshire will peaceably declare independence from the United States of America and proceed as its own sovereign nation. So that is what the New Hampshire voters will see on the ballot. They'll see the actual the question the proposed uh, amendment, and then the voter's guide as far as what it, what will happen, voters, if you vote yes on this. I like most of it. I just don't like the description of New Hampshire as a sovereign state of the United States. That, that to me, is a bit contradictory. Because clearly we're you know being dominated by them. Right. Yeah. And if we're sovereign, then we're already independent. Yeah. So I, I like it, though, and, I, and I'm glad it's got the little voter's guide there. That's going to be on the ballot next year. When, it could be. Okay, that, that's true. We I'm want it to ahead be. Of myself. Yes. We don't have a date on the hearing yet. No. But I'm, you mentioned that you know, there are three different rooms in which this could be held. The smallest mm-hmm. room that has you know, a capacity for like 15 members of the public, a slightly right. larger room that could go up to 50, and if you surpass that amount, you end up with like a room that can hold up to 400 people. Correct. I don't think we can get 400 people there. It would be amazing if we could. But I think... I don't know what to expect. 
I think we could easily get more than 50 people out there for this, man. I think so. Uh, yeah. I think so. It, 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 it's going to be an historic. easy sell. And as soon as we get that bill hearing, I, I, I expect that to tread like wildfire. I I'm, hope so. I'm surprised the news isn't already spreading now that, you know, it does have that easily referenced number. And you said this well, is... it just... I'm pretty sure this just broke today. Okay. So, it, so it's going to get out there. So you said this is CACR 32? That's what it is. Awesome. I yeah. look forward to seeing how all of this develops. I mean, I look forward to you know participating and in, in ho- hopefully helping determine how this stuff develops. Yeah. And so what needs to happen next is the supporters of independence in New Hampshire need to contact this particular committee. And there's a link on the NHX. If you go to nhexit.us... There's an article all about this, and there's a link there to that committee. There's a mailing link, an email link. You can send one email to this sort of generic address for the committee, and then the system forwards that to all 21 reps. You don't even have to figure out all the different reps' emails. You just send it to that one email. Let them know what you think. And remember, the important point here is these reps don't have to agree with independence to support this thing. Right, that's the critical part here. You don't have to argue with them. You don't have to try to persuade them about independence because a bunch of them are going to be, you know, sticking the muds on this. Like the the head of the uh, the this particular committee, his name is Al Baldassaro. He's like a former Marine. Okay, he's a sure. Republican former Marine. You know, he's got it banged into his head about government good, right? But he's also, to his credit, a critic of big government in a lot of ways so okay. yeah there's still, there's still a question mark as far as whether or not he himself would support independence but it doesn't matter what the state reps think about independence the question is what do the state reps think about giving the people the right to have their say on this question do you support especially to the democrats by the way on this committee of which there are i believe 10 so there's 11 republicans 10 democrats wow. on this committee it's like democrats are going to be against independence obviously a lot of them are yes but, but the democratic they, thing but are they against democracy <laughs> that's definitely the important part of this bill the yeah. the state reps the senate they would not be declaring independence Correct. they're just allowing us to vote on the matter yeah and it's going to be a difficult position for them to take to say no we don't think people should be able to vote on this Especially if you email them. That's nhexit.us. If you want to, even if you're not in New Hampshire, shoot these people an email. It's Free Talk Live. Is your broken heart stopping you from being authentically happy? My name is Jeremy West, and for a limited time, I am running a free online class to teach you what most people don't know about how to deal with your feelings, the simple way to deal with your negative thinking, the key to breaking your unhealthy relationship patterns, and so much more. No more feeling like a failure who will never find true love. No more self-medicating and ending up feeling even more miserable. And no more feeling like you'll never be someone who deserves an amazing partner. Sound good? You'll discover a new way to finally feel validated and loved. To stop trying to get your self-worth from the very people who tear it down. And to put you in control of your own happiness. So you never surrender that control to another person again in as little as eight weeks. Register now for my free online class at beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. That's beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. It's Free Talk Live, where you're invited to take control of the airwaves, share your thoughts and opinions. Toll free, no, not toll free. <laughs> Man, I haven't said that in a long time. Yeah. 
603-283-6160 is the number if you want to do that. That's 603-283-6160. And with you tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. It probably won't cost you anything to make the call, though. I mean, hardly anybody yeah. pays for long distance anymore. But it's not technically a toll-free it is not. number. So Tolls may be involved, depending on your long-distance package. But we are raising funds for Give Directly, the first nonprofit that allows you to give money directly to people living in extreme poverty. They locate recipients in need and use mobile money to send them cash, no strings attached. And this allows people who live in poverty to experience positive changes in their lives, like employment, nutrition, health, education. Plus, cash allows individuals to invest in what they need instead of relying on aid organizations and donors thousands of miles away to make those decisions for them. And really, that's the better option for charity. Free Talk Live is matching your donations to Give Directly, helping families in Bamet and Khalifi counties in Kenya who are in need. Up to $30,000 is what we're matching. So if you're feeling generous this holiday season, head on over to give.freetalklive.com. That's give.freetalklive.com. And... Help out some of these families that are being hit by drought, floods, and food insecurity. There may not be a better way to help people in Kenya. That's give.freetalklive.com. Now, I have a little bit of a history with the FBI. I'm not, I was never a very big fan of the FBI. Mm -hmm. Then they kicked in my door at one point this year, and I became even less of a fan of the FBI. So when I see stories like this, It just fills my heart with joy. FBI officials had sex with prostitutes while overseas, an inspector general investigation finds. Now, I'm not opposed to the FBI or to anyone hiring prostitutes. I I think sex work is work, and it should be completely legal. Yeah, anyone who supports a free market should have that particular viewpoint. Whether right. or not you agree with people selling their, their bodies for, for money. Well, everyone sells their bodies to one degree or another. Yeah, it's that's just, true. It's just which particular act of selling your body do you find detestable? I mean, it's, it's your body, whatever, however you want to sell it. If you, wanna you want to break your back working in a coal mine or you know, sell your voice to national radio or whatever, I don't care. Yeah. It's your body. But the FBI disagrees because they're enforcing the laws of the U.S. government and the U.S. government has laws against prostitution. Do they? I thought those were state laws. Oh, fair point. Well, they work what with are they states. Doing? They work with states okay. in order to create stings for sex trafficking. And well, right, yeah, they would be involved in sex trafficking uh, because you know if you're crossing borders, then they would get involved. But I think just by default, you probably aren't going to see the FBI involved in your standard like street level sting in whatever right. city. Sex trafficking guess. also wouldn't exist as a thing if prostitution was legal. I mean, it, it would probably still part. happen. There still might be some yeah. sickos who want to, you know, buy a slave from some underground organization. But yeah, you're right. It would go down quite a bit. An investigation released by the Department of Justice Tuesday found that four FBI officials engaged in commercial sex with prostitutes while overseas. Oh. And a fifth hmm. atten- official attempted to which is a direct violation of Department of Justice and FBI policies. So evidently they, they have a policy against hiring prostitutes in other countries. Well, note that it's just a violation of policy. Yes. So they will not be prosecuted for this. This is just a... They're just going to get, you know, the, the, the old finger shucking going on. No, no, no. They might lose their jobs or something. But no yeah. way. No way. For a policy violation, they're going to get a stern talking to. Like, you've made the 
sir, you've made the agency look <laughs> bad with this move. Now you're going to be assigned to desk duty for six months, and you'll get your full pay. In fact, we might even put you on a paid vacation. Sounds like a pretty sweet deal. They get to hire a prostitute and get a paid vacation. I'm just speculating. Right. In most cases with the police, and I presume it's true with the FBI, the cops frequently you know, are going around like murdering and raping people. In a lot of cases, they get a paid uh, suspension. They do. Mm-hmm. The investigation said that the officials, quote, lacked candor in failing to report their involvement or other agents' involvement in soliciting sex with prostitutes. One of the right. FBI officials... Oh, see, it would have been all right if you just filed a report. Yeah, they, they just lacked candor, whatever that means. One of the FBI officials additionally lied to the Office of Inspector General during an interview followed by polygraph t- questioning, which again, polygraph, I think it was like 60% reliable the last time we talked about it. I don't remember the exact number. but They're not reliable enough to be acceptable in court. Yeah, I, I'm But su- the government still uses them. I'm surprised the FBI agents who did this allowed themselves to be put under polygraph knowing how unreliable it is. Mm. The individual denied having engaged in any sexual acts with the prostitute. The OIG investigation further found that five officials failed to report contact or relationships with foreign nationals, including foreign nationals from whom they procured commercial sex in violation of FBI policies. In addition to that, one agent additionally failed to report not not let me let me finish. He failed to report that he provided a foreign police officer with quote a package containing approximately 100 white pills. So what he did wrong here was not provide a foreign police officer with a package containing 100 white pills. It was that he failed to report that he did that. And what were those white pills? It doesn't say. The report did not say what substance the white pills were composed of. Mm. I imagine they were some sort of opiate or something, but you know, who knows? I don't know. It noted the FBI official, again, lacked candor when the individual denied observing or placing pills in a package to be delivered to a foreign officer. A sixth FBI official was also found to have committed misconduct for failing to report suspected violations. It is unclear what happened to the sixth official, but of the five who solicited commercial sex, two resigned, two retired, Wow. And one was removed. So, oh, they actually got rid of somebody. Well, they got rid of one of them. Yeah, they, two, two of them resigned. Two of them, you know, they were at retirement age anyway, so they get to keep all their government yeah, benefits. Yeah, get them bennies. So, ninety percent paycheck for the rest of their lives. It's absolutely uh, disgusting that the FBI agents aren't being tried, considering you know if they were. They didn't do anything I mean, illegal. <sighs> They did, though. Where um, was this happening? Did they say where It doesn't in say Europe? what the other country is. I mean, it doesn't even specify that I mean, if Europe. it's in the Netherlands, then it's completely legal what they did. But it's if, just against policy. But correct me if I'm wrong, but if you, if you or I flew to the Netherlands and mm. hired a prostitute, wouldn't, wouldn't that be illegal? I don't, I don't know. I can't give you uh, legal advice. I'm not a lawyer. But um, generally... Going to another country and engaging in a legal activity in that other country typically doesn't result in criminal charges when you come home, although there may be I some exceptions. There may be so some I exceptions be to that. In other news, though, uh, the FBI is corrupt, so that's not a surprise to Listen, anyone. Listen, Aria, you know it's just a few <laughs> bad apples. They're, oh, I'm sure most of the FBI are just a good bunch of guys and gals. Well, just the, a few bad apples. All the evidence I've seen from the FBI suggests that going all the way back to... Uh, Hoover, 
I think was his name, the FBI has been corrupt. Mm. I mean, he was threatening Martin Luther King and writing him messed up letters all mm-hmm. the way back in the 50s and 60s. Right. And wasn't the FBI involved in uh, Malcolm X's assassination, allegedly? I don't know. I hadn't heard that. Or was that the CIA? I don't know. I heard something come out about that recently. I didn't get the details. But I mean, as recently as I think 2016, the FBI was the largest child porn distributor on the planet. Yep. So and this- they've also been busily uh, setting people up as essentially, you know, dupes into uh, doing so-called terrorism like there have been hundreds of scenarios where the fbi has quote-unquote saved us from a terrorist strike a bombing or something like that that they themselves actually created that whole situation like from scratch by finding some lonely dupe uh who you know the fbi basically talks into wanting to commit a terrorist act and then the fbi kidnapping plot and then the fbi that was one of them and then the fbi proceeds to provide that person with the means meaning the fake bomb uh with like a van if they need a van to deliver the fake bomb a hotel room if they need a place to stay Uh, like literally help handhold these people into these criminal charges and the sad thing is a lot of these people they do this to are like mentally handicapped or mentally challenged in some way and the fbi just exploits that so that they can say hey look what we did we prevented this act of terrorism aren't we great but the act of terrorism was never a threat until the fbi became involved What are your thoughts on this FBI corruption, the latest example of it? 603-283-6160. Again, that's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria and Ian, and Bitcoin.com is the place to go to learn about cryptocurrency. If you're new to it, if you haven't really, if you're sitting there wondering what this Bitcoin cryptocurrency stuff is that your grandkids keep talking about, Bitcoin.com is where you should go. Just click Getting Started at the top of the page. Take a few minutes out of your day to watch some videos about this important world-changing information. You can even get some Bitcoin there for yourself if you want, as I understand it. That's Bitcoin.com. But if you're already a knowledgeable crypto user, Bitcoin.com still has something for you at news.bitcoin.com where you can stay up to date on all of the news and headlines that are relevant to you. All on a sleek, easy-to-use modern website. That's Bitcoin.com. Let's go to the phones. We have Edward calling from Kentucky. Edward, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, good evening, uh, Ian and Aria. I've been I've been hearing um, Bonnie and Ian talk mention Wim Hof recently, so I, I just wanted to offer up. I've been practicing Wim Hof for over four years. I've known about it for over five. Um, Can you define what a, Wim Hof is? Yeah, because I don't even remember. Sure, sure, Ian. If you want to, and I could touch or what? No, you're the you expert, started. man. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, well, Wim Hof. He's a character from. He's a he's a Dutchman. He's from Amsterdam and. His wife took she took her life in the nineties and she left behind four kids and a loving husband and so he he his mission after that was to make make sure that nobody else had to go through what his family and what he has gone through and so it's been his mission throughout life has just been to spread love through uh personal responsibility and knowing of the body and challenging of the body and the mind and um 
You yeah, said his name is Wim Hof, and he's Dutch, which means I almost certainly spelled his name incorrectly. I spelled it the way you would expect an American six, six to. Letters total. W i m h o f. Okay, I was fairly close then. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he he had always been practicing meditation, and he had always loved to go and get in get into the cold, get into uh, the local lakes, and they'd always see him that, there, and they'd say, "Oh, there's Wim. He's doing his thing," and he was always happy and smiling, and when this happened to him in the 90s, his goal was just, like I said, to, to spread it. And uh, he's done a great job. He's, he, um, if you want me, want me to get into a little of the technique, um, but I was curious what, what you know so far, Ian, what you guys know. Uh, Bonnie and I have been listening to the book by Wim Hof. Uh, we've got the audio version of it. I don't recall offhand what it's called, but I suspect he has not written a ton of books. Uh, so it's probably if you go look for, for him, you'll find it. And sure. he does go over the, the breathing techniques uh, that he recommends, which is basically almost a meditative uh, practice. Sure. And, uh, and then also cold ad- adaptation. Um, and he mm-hmm. recommends, for instance, like taking cold showers, but easing into it. That was my reaction, Arya. <laughs> Arya's eyes just got real big uh, when she heard that. But he recommends, you know, you start with like 15 seconds at the end of a, your normal warm shower or whatever you just do. The last 15 seconds are cold. Uh, and then, that sounds horrible. And I then mean, you go to 30 seconds like a week later and then a minute a week after, you know, a week after that and two minutes I've, or whatever. I've been off. I've been off warm showers for four years, wow. so I haven't taken a warm shower. What, what is what <laughs> so, is the benefit of this? Because I like my showers well, like scalding hot, right? <laughs> well, sometimes you'll find yourself, and it's 10 at night, and you've put it off for the last couple hours taking the shower, and it's just in your head, and it's something that you know you have to overcome, and it's a challenge to yourself mentally and physically. And then let's say you haven't had the most productive uh, day of athletics or anything of breaking a sweat or anything. And the human body needs to move. So I always do a, bru- a breathing routine before I do my cold shower. And it lasts about six to eight minutes, I would say. And I'm basically sweating after that. And so the cold, the cold shower afterwards, especially in the dead of winter, it's, it's um, you just feel invigorated when when you finish it, and you feel like you've accomplished something. You know, it only lasts a minute, minute and a half, and you turn that water after after a minute and a half, and your face is numb, and you're just you're thinking, you know, and you're you're pumped. You've got a, a pump on because you know you've been breathing for the last six hours. Or, I'm sorry, six minutes just. Hardcore breathing. The claim is the claim is that this sort of acclimation makes it so you can handle the cold better, just in general. And I I, and from what he said, and I'm not like a medical person or whatever, so I'm probably going to get the the terms wrong. But there's you know like things in your body, and they're not. I don't know if it's like blood vessels or ventricles or something like that that react. They're called thedons. No, no, no. That, that react <laughs> when when you're shocked by cold, and that basically, if you're always in warm environments, you don't exercise those things, and they don't actually like they don't protect you or whatever. I can see the yeah, exercise sure. aspect of it to a degree. I mean, the whole point, the whole reason the human body shivers is to you know stimulate muscles and generate warmth that way. So it sounds like a cold so, shower may accomplish sort of the same thing. Yeah, so it brings to, I would say, the third point of Wim Hof Method, which is the power of the mind. And, 
utilizing those first two two methods of the breath and the cold. Um, Wim Hof has gone to the University of Michigan. He's gone to, I, I know, an East, East Coast University, too. And him and his students that he has taught just the method just, you know, with recently, he's not like a life, life, lifelong practitioners like Wim Hof. Some students that he had taught recently, they injected them with a neurotoxin, um, and he's able to, um, they, it would be, what would be like a food poison or an E. coli? They will then inject that into him and his students, and through his breath technique, he was able to fight off the sickness and able to show, um, I forget, I forget adrenaline or something where it was it was low. Instead of it lowering with this endotoxin, he's able to actually make it higher, make it higher through the breath when it should be just getting drastically lower, lower, lower. Your body's getting attacked. He's able to, with the power of the mind, breath meditation, that, that's his method. So yeah. it is, I'd, uh, I'd really have I, to I, see some studies on that one because, I mean, I've seen videos on YouTube of, you know, karate masters from deep in India or wherever, you know, yeah. knocking people over with magical hand signs and stuff like that that are obviously fake. Mm -hmm. You tell me someone injected this guy with, with toxins and just through mind over matter, he was managed to overcome them. I've just got to see some scientific data on it. Yeah, it's, it was it was at the University of Michigan Medical School. Um, not that that means anything after 2020, but uh, it was before 2020. Um, gosh, I forgot what I was going to say about well, that. I, had, but, I haven't uh, gotten to that part of the book yet, but it, at one part he is, again, it's some sort of place where this, a study is being done. I mean, he's been st studied quite a bit by doctors and, and such, and his practitioners have. So it's, there, there is data on this. Okay. Um, to cut, the, uh, Aria, instead of you digging into the book, um, Vice, about, actually when, when Vice used to be good back 2012, 2014, Vice made a documentary in 2014, and you, it's probably still on YouTube, and mm. there's, other, there's, one, there's two documentaries that are about 40 minutes each, and they're both really good. Yeah, well, what I was going to say was they put they put some sort of a vest on him, and they had other people that were not with the Wim Hof method that they also had in this this study. And this vest had I don't know some sort of tubes in it that they flushed with cold water essentially. So it was like putting cold water all over your chest essentially in this vest. Right. And so the idea was they wanted to measure people's core body temperatures to see if it would. Uh, go down, which of course it would in you know standard cases, and and it did. Yeah, you're, you're spraying someone with cold water. That's going to make them colder, right? It's the, I guess the water wasn't directly touching them, but it was in this vest, so it was being flushed with the cold water. So it was it was cold oh, okay. water essentially moving through this, as I understood it. Anyway, the uh, what happened was every other person in the study except for Wim Hof had their temperature lowered, and his did not. Well, that could just be a result of constantly taking cold showers as well, rather than being mind over matter. So he, he's trained his body to deal with cold wet water. But it's an interesting concept, certainly something I would be interested in learning more about. So thank you so much for the call tonight, Edward. I've only heard it, Wim Hof mentioned here on the show. I've never heard mm -hmm. anything about it in any other context. But I mean, it, there's certainly truth to the mind over matter thing right that's why the placebo effect exists and yeah, that's yeah. why you do have you know buddhist monks who go out into the snow and who meditate and they're just fine rather that's than who this guy is death. basically yeah so that sort of thing does happen i don't know about the experiments injecting him with something that that's one that i would most definitely mm -hmm. want to look into so if it's still on youtube i will be able to find it at some point but for the next week, I'm not going to have much opportunity to, and I will probably forget after that. So if you want to call back at some point and talk more, maybe point me directly to 
the documentary they're talking about, Edward, that would be fantastic. But I don't know anything about the guy. It sounds fascinating. Um, and you don't remember the name of the book, the audio book that you're listening to? Yeah, I mean, just look for a book by Wim Hof. I might do that instead because I, t- I, I would rather read something and retain the information better and get more information than yeah. just watch a documentary. What are your thoughts about Wim Hof? Is it even possible? Do you do you find it incredulous and impossible to believe that someone could do these things just through mind over matter? I know it's possible, just not easy. Oh, no, nothing worth doing is easy. Absolutely not. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, where you can take control of the airwaves, talk about whatever is important to you. 603-283-6160, if you'd like to do that. Again, that number is 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And coming up, we're going to talk about... This metaverse marriage that the New York Times was pimping is this great big breakthrough in the metaverse technology. But really, someone else has pointed out that this isn't new. It's been going on for quite a long time. And they really just sort of eviscerate this whole narrative that's being pushed behind the metaverse as something new and original and creative. Also, a pandemic treaty being proposed by the World Health Organization. It's very unclear what that would really mean. But it doesn't sound like a good idea. And, of course, Joe Biden wants to restore your faith in God. I mean, government. Or <laughs> maybe I meant God. It depends on your perspective. Mm-hmm. But it is a religion, and people aren't being faithful enough. But before we get into that, let's go to the phones. We have Dave calling from RidleyReport.com. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, folks. Uh uh, we wanted uh, to talk about the success of libertarians in New Hampshire mm. starting to cause, a pro- I guess, a problem we want to have, but it's still a problem. And that is that like, there's starting to be sort of questionable things that are being done by people who are sort of libertarians in power. Does that make sense? Like what? Okay, so for instance, four different things, actually, uh, that I can point to. Um, for example, uh, again, some of this is not precisely libertarians, but it's perceived as sort of being libertarian influenced because it's you know it's these 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 re- government reducing votes at the state house. Uh, for instance, the the uh, the vote on uh, reducing the budget by three percent and everything, which was nice and hailed by free, free freedom lovers, mm-hmm. uh, that also included all the freedom lovers who voted for that. Um, 
were voting for a hidden restriction, or it wasn't all that hidden, but it was stuck into the budget, a restriction on abortion rights. Mm. Yeah, yeah uh, and, I mean, abortion is a tough issue for libertarians because there's there's really no good answer to it. I mean, obviously you want to be pro-choice, but there, there's a nap violation, a, a violation of the non-aggression principle in any direction that you go in regard to the issue yeah. of, of abortion. And a lot of libertarians just don't want to recognize that. You're either forcing someone to well, allow a human being to trespass on their private, on their bodily autonomy, or you're allowing some living entity to be killed in order to protect that per- other person's bodily autonomy. There's no good answer here. As I understand the so situation, uh, Dave, that, that that abortion restriction is one of the least restrictive things they could have done. We had somebody call in about that, I don't know, within the last few months here on Free Talk Live, and it's apparently like some sort of a ban on like third trimester, like the, the very end period of when most people would never ever really most doctors wouldn't even do this particular procedure or whatever so you know it's not the worst of the uh the, the cases that it could have been from what i understand and so I, I imagine those state reps were given the choice of well you know we can reduce uh the budget and actually lower property taxes and lower the the meals and rooms tax and have this you know pretty epic level uh budget reduction or i could vote no on this right so and well, the, then they the made that choice isn't... The problem isn't so much that it involved abortion restrictions, is that you and I would be screaming from the rooftops if liberals had, at least I would, if liberals had imposed on us something just in the budget, right? Like you're supposed to have a process for deciding whether to restrict people. Uh, you're not just supposed to throw that into the budget, right? Like that's what mm-hmm. the feds do. Was sure. it added by a, a libertarian or was that just something that was in there that they voted for? Because when it comes to I, the budget. I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it as well. Yeah, prob- when it comes to the just- budget, you get proposed, you know, the thing gets put in front of you. And yeah, you might have been able to try to argue it when it was voted on. But if the state house votes in favor of the thing, then it goes, you know, it moves forward. At some point, they have to move the, the budget forward. I'm not making excuses for what, they, what they've done. But the reality of politics is sometimes you're presented with choices that none of them are good in a lot of cases. Like no option in many cases on on votes up at, uh, at Concord, a lot of times is a good option, and some, you have to choose one. It's sort of like one. some of these school board votes we've, we've talked about, where they talked about, you know, we're either going to increase spending by 2% or by 1%. The libertarian yeah. votes to increase it by 1%, and then the media goes, this... How dare you? Yeah, this libertarian voted to increase the budget. It's like, okay, but that was... The least horrible of the right. options that they had. They, they wouldn't let let the person not vote because one of the rules on the school board, at least here in Keene, is you cannot not vote, apparently. Like, if you're actually on the school board, they require that you vote on the things. It's one of the, you know, the things that you agree to when you take the position, which I think is personally ridiculous, but... That's yeah, the, that means you can't skip out on school board meetings. I mean, you could, I presume, uh, skip the meeting, but if you're actually okay. present at the meeting... They expect you to vote on the things. So it's an ugly system. Politics sucks. What was one of the other examples, Dave? You said you had uh, four of them. Another one was uh, Moms for Liberty NH put out a $500 reward uh, for anyone that engaged anyone, uh, like a teacher in the government school system who engages in speech that they think violates the law. Mm -hmm. So it's like a law against teaching critical race theory in the school. That's correct. Um, which of course, you know, now it's like, how are you, how are you going to, how are you going to ban every teacher from saying everything you don't like? Well, right? the, 
I don't know that libertarians had a whole lot to do with that. Well, they might have, actually. It, it has been touted, uh, for instance, by the Free State Project. Uh, the Moms for Liberty, as I understand it, is consisted of uh, some free staters are involved in, are founders of that particular group. And I think the the point there is to go after the status and make them uncomfortable and say, hey, look, you're not allowed to be teaching racism in the government schools. If you don't like it, take your kids out of the government schools and send them to a private school where they can teach racism. But ultimately, the argument is this critical race theory is essentially racism. And so it should not be taught in the in these government schools. And I don't disagree with that. If you're going to have government schools, and I don't think any of these liberty reps want to have government schools, but we're not to the point where anyone has proposed to abolish them completely. So in the meantime, they're saying, hey, we don't want kids in government school taught racism. And so Moms for Liberty is an independent group that said, hey, kids, parents, if your kids can get proof of a teacher who is now still teaching critical race theory— when they've been told it's against the rules, send the proof to us. We'll send you $500. That doesn't seem offensive to me. Not necessarily. Uh, but my what I was saying so was this, that I don't think the libertarians within the state house had much to do with making it illegal for teachers to not teach. I think they voted for it. A bunch of them did. Well, that that's this sad. Is, and that means that they just didn't understand what critical race theory is. I mean, what if is it? it, if it I've teaches, heard it's racism. If it teaches racism, it's because American history is largely built upon racism. Well, what is it? In any case, this isn't this not a pro, this is not an appropriate way to go about doing this. You don't do it by restricting people's speech. They should have. But these uh, are state reduced. employees. These aren't people. They're not normal this people. The, <laughs> it still isn't the way. This still is not the way to do it. Uh, do unto others. If. if uh, if it would have been better to just reduce the funding of the of the uh, school systems in question. Sure, that's a great proposal, but you and I both know that the state reps are not – look, politicians – and again, I'm not saying this to defend them. I'm just saying this to explain it. They're constantly worried about their political capital. So that's why we haven't seen any of these liberty reps actually propose to abolish government education. That would be the solution here. Okay, that way people can teach whatever the hell they want to in whatever private schools that that they want to form. But uh, they haven't made that proposal yet. So in the meantime, somebody said, "Hey, this critical race theory thing is a bad idea. It shouldn't be allowed in government schools because their opinion is it's racism." Now I can't tell you exactly what it is because I don't I don't have kids in school. I don't. I can't either. I went to Wikipedia for like a general description of what it is, but it doesn't really offer one. Yeah, uh, I know what the Republicans say it is, and I know that they, they were just told to be outraged by Fox News, and they don't know what it is either. Well, I, I bet you they do if we were to actually have a state rep who's a libertarian on the on the show, because they did argue over this quite a bit in the state house as far as what this thing is and why it doesn't belong in a government school. So they determined it does not belong in government school in the same way that, you know, we would, as liberty-minded people, probably prefer they not be teaching our kids socialism uh, in government schools either. And if, if you want to hold on to Dave, I'm happy to continue discussing this with him because i gotta say i disagree with him if you've got a government system you might as well sculpt it in the way that you can until you can abolish it which you know they haven't done yet dave you want to hang around for another segment dave i guess he's already gone gone already yeah oh oh no i accidentally hit the hold button instead of air Uh, all right stand by stand by it's free talk live It 
It's Free Talk Live. As always, you're invited to weigh in with your thoughts and opinions. 603-283-6160 if you'd like to do that. 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And we've been telling you about how Intercoin can help any business or organization launch their own currency or raise money using their own token. Well, Intercoin has launched its investor token worldwide, and it's finally available on an exchange, multiple exchanges, in fact. The best one, probably, where you can actually keep your privacy intact would be xmarkets.com. That's exmarkets.com. You can then deposit dozens of different cryptocurrencies, trade them for Tether, and then use that to buy ITR, which is the Intercoin investor token. Learn more about it at intercoin.org or find links to xmarkets.com there or their other exchange, Uniswap there. That's intercoin.org. You might just be advancing the cause of liberty around the world. We're talking to Dave here and Dave from RidleyReport.com. And we both looked a bit more into critical race theory. Of course, I'm limited mostly to what Wikipedia has to say about it. And the positive parts of it sound great. But there's also a lot of really contradictory stuff with it. Like the idea of race as a social construct. Yes, I agree with that 100%. Mm-hmm. But then they go on to say, and the idea. That's I- the only part I've agreed with so far with CRT. Sure. And then they go on to say, in the very same sentence here, in fact, that this idea of race benefits white people and marginalizes people of color. So at the same time, they're saying race is just a social construct. They're saying, and this social construct helps this one race at the expense of other races. So it's self-contradictory, and that's the part I don't like. And there's more. There's an article here from uh, the University of Washington Tacoma at mtsu.edu, published in 2009, all about critical race theory and the First Amendment specifically. And so this has been around for a while, by the way. CRT was constructed a few decades ago. And some of the basic tenets, they say, rest on the belief that racism is a fundamental part of American society, which I fr- firmly disagree with. Uh, I, I could agree with it if they worded it better. Like, modern America was largely built and racism was largely built in a way that racism was an integral part of it because that was true through a lot of American history. But is it true now? I, I, I would say so. it's not true now. I don't think so. But a lot of the institutions that were built then are still in play now, but that's not because modern society is racist. It's because those institutions, all of them, need to be torn down and replaced preferably with nothing. Well, and that's not what they're arguing for. According to this story, the CRT scholars, as they describe them here, actually argue against the First Amendment. And they get into it where they essentially are saying, well, the First Amendment is protecting so-called hate speech, therefore it's wrong. And so I don't think that these are good things to be teaching in government schools. And ultimately, the New Hampshire legislation or the New Hampshire legislator agreed with that and banned this teaching. So, I mean, as long as you're going to have a government school, what's wrong with having more freedom friendly uh, teachings in it, Dave? Well, what's what's wrong is that they they use the they created a new law to restrict it. We don't need more laws, especially if they're not privately paid for. Mm-hmm. The other problem is well, they're, they're restricting in the state same, employees. Can I finish? Well, you're saying they're restricting they're other people, them, but they're restricting what the state can and can't do. Not what not what. Free I get his point. It is another do. law, and I I do agree with you there, Dave. I mean, fewer laws is definitely better. The other problem is that they're putting themselves into the same exact noose that the Georgian government put it in, put itself into in the 20s when they made that law against teaching evolution. 
they turned they turned the teachers into heroes uh, because they would commit civil disobedience by violating that law and teaching evolution, right? Mm. Uh, and today, history remembers those teachers well, even though they were government bureaucrats. So there's just, it, it, this is just, no, no, this is not the way to do this. Well, that's an interesting opinion. Uh, I'll tell you, one of the things that has come out of this, Dave, is there's been a lot of uh, leftists who are flipping out over this uh, on social media. And They're flipping been, out continually. It's fun to watch. Specifically, they got they flipped out over the Moms for Liberty group that offered the $500 bounty if any, if any kids could find evidence of a teacher continuing to teach uh, this critical race theory when they've been told they're not allowed to do so. That's what they've been flipping out about and it has been worth a lot of like online brownie points or whatever right like this has been passed around quite a bit and it's it's gotten a lot of attention in education freedom circles i think for uh, for the free state project so i don't know i just don't get upset about uh you know sc- sculpting the state in a more freedom friendly manner like for instance if they were to say uh hey government school teachers you're not allowed to teach marxism anymore you you can't have the kids read Karl marx uh you know and whatever das kapital or whatever you know or hitler or something like that and instead you have to have them read you know murray rothbard or some other libertarian author i mean i get the uh, the objections about that but it's government school wouldn't do you prefer they be putting a freedom friendly uh, program in place instead of a total status program Ends do not justify means. But I have another complaint, a third thing. All right. Uh, and that is that a free stater-led organization has, uh, uh, I don't know if they, I'm not positive they pushed for it, but they, caused it a, they called it a victory when it passed. So they were probably pushing for it. And that is the, the restriction on businesses. Businesses in New Hampshire, I guess, are now uh, forbidden by law from, or at least it's moving closer to where it's being, they're being forbidden by law uh, from mandating that their employees get the vaccine, which is an intrusion on businesses' right to make their own decisions. Did that actually pass? It, I don't think it could possibly have just, passed yet. It's, it probably is just hitting the legislative circles like the constitutional amendment is, right? Yeah. they were just call, I think they were calling it a victory because it had made it passed a critical step or something like that. Mm. Well, they're not alone in that. I mean, there are a lot of libertarians, and I, I've seen these people in the Free State Project group on Facebook talking about it constantly, that businesses need to be prevented from requiring yeah, it of their employees. Yeah, they're absolutely wrong about that. The I'm, libertarian I'm position that one, is that the politics... And again, even if they were right, we don't need another law, unless you're willing to pay for the cost of hearing it the way you guys, you know, you guys evolved when we got the Hampshire Independence Amendment. That's Dave, you're breaking you up pretty... To- okay, you're back. Oh, we have the Independence Amendment because you guys are the, the, the proposal for, for that legislation because you guys are willing to underwrite it, right? You're willing to underwrite the taxpayer expense. Mm-hmm. Um, but all this stuff is just uh, being done at taxpayer expense, uh, all, all these other laws I'm talking about. I mean, that's not my issue with this proposed legislation that would require that would force businesses to not be able to require their employees to be vaccinated or unvaccinated. To me, it's not about the $2,000 or whatever it may cost to have the bill heard. It's the fact that it's a law that is designed and will 
impede the private business rights of a business owner. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. And I think I would hope that most of the Liberty reps would be against it for that particular reason. Uh, But I do I do understand that power corrupts and and that even the libertarians can be subjected to this and they are not all perfect uh, people. So, you know, Dave, if you're going to run for state uh, state rep, you've got my support. Well, thank you so much for the call tonight, Dave. It's. It, it, it's one of the things that makes it difficult for me to trust libertarians when they run for office rights. You can't. Because so many of them will get into power and mm-hmm. they'll go, oh, I'm going to force people to do what I think is best. And it's okay because I'm a libertarian and what I think is best is I can list 35 reasons why it's the best, but you still can't force people to do it, even if what you believe is the right thing. 603-283-6160. There's more coming up about how you should have faith in the government. It's Free Talk Live. to take control of the airwaves, talk about whatever is on your mind, 603-283-6160, if you'd like you to do that. Again, that's 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria and Ian, and we're giving away a second BitBox here in the coming weeks. Of course, we've already given away one of these. We'll be giving away another. The BitBox is a hardware wallet, except... BitBox's software is 100% open source, which helps it to avoid some of the problems that other hardware wallets sometimes have. So if you want a chance to win one, all you have to do is join the AMPS program at amps.freetalklive.com. That's A-M-P-S freetalklive.com. We're going to be choosing one of our supporters at random on an episode of Freer Talk Live in the future. I think you said on New Year's Eve. Yeah, that works. And although... We like to be able to offer a bonus to our supporters. The real reason you should join is because you want to support the show. But hey, it's a free hardware wallet. So join the program at amps.freetalklive.com. That's amps.freetalklive.com. Ian said you you had some more thoughts about how the end doesn't justify the means. Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting conversation with Ridley uh, there a moment ago, and I appreciate that he called in to bring up, I think, some legitimate concerns about libertarians getting into power and the fact that it's uh, a very difficult situation to be a libertarian in power because, number one, you're put into awkward positions sometimes where any way you vote, it's a bad way. Uh, It's not just that, though. It's... Any libertarian who's in the public eye, really, as the Verge article pointed about you, they said, you know, you being a public figure or however they phrased it, also, quote, amplified your mistakes. And they brought up your opposition to the mask mandate here in mm-hmm. Keene as an example of that. It's like if you're in the public eye, you're not you're going to upset some people. Yes. Just by having including an opinion, some, including some of your supporters. I mean, that's you know, people are going to. No one's perfect, and we all don't agree on everything. So it's sure. inevitable that uh, we're going to have some some disagreements. Uh, even the few times I have disagreed with some of the state reps, I still am grateful that we have them there instead of terrible people, right? Like that's a fair point. They're good on ninety plus percent of the issues most all of the time. And uh, we got a really cool organization, the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, that actually rates these state reps. They look at their votes. They give them a grade, actually, at the end of every year, which is pretty cool. So we've got a really neat system in place here that encourages better behavior from these state reps because they want to get that A-plus rating. They want that, that sort of badge of honor, basically. But, um, but some, you know, if, you got, if you didn't get the A-plus, it means you got an A, and that means you screwed it up a couple of times, right? You didn't vote right on, on a few different But that's issues. better than a B. It's a lot better than a constitutional threat, which is the <laughs> 
lowest uh, potential rating. That's below F, essentially, wow. in this rating system. But the the thing I wanted to say was, as Ridley pointed out, we were discussing um, you know these government school teachers being told what they can and can't say. Uh, specifically on the issue of critical race theory. They're not allowed to teach that in New Hampshire now, according to, I think, a bill that passed earlier this year. And there was a a group called Moms for Liberty that put a $500 bounty out to try to catch a teacher continuing to teach this when they've been told not to. And Dave is upset, like saying, oh, well, you shouldn't be telling people what they can and can't say. And I generally would agree with that. And but we're talking about state employees here. Yeah, that's right? the only reason I don't agree with it. These, these are part the, these teachers. However much we like might might not like to think about it, they are part of the state apparatus. They, they agreed are to the join state. that. They agreed yes. to follow whatever the stupid rules are that they have to follow. And now, you know, liberty people are getting into the seats of power, and they're changing the rules on these statist teachers, and they're pounding a fit about this. They are stomping their feet on social media, and they're freaking out about it, and there literally are people saying how bad New Hampshire is. And, like, people Good, on the left. stay out. Yes, there are people on the left saying how bad New Hampshire is, and, and and warning their friends not to move here. And sounds like a job well done. Yeah, and talking about not staying here and talking about leaving. And so I get what Ridley's saying is the ends don't justify the means, meaning that, oh, well, you shouldn't use force, but it's not really using force. You're just changing the rules of an already existing system that we all disagree with. The system should go away. Let's abolish government education entirely. Yeah, it doesn't restrict any public school. I mean, any private school. It doesn't restrict private schools. From That's talking correct. about from teaching critical race theory, only state employees are being told what they can't do here. And right. as far as laws go, the only laws I think should exist are ones that restrict state employees and say you can't do this and you can't do that. Yeah, if Ridley were still on the line, I would ask him, "Okay, well, does he oppose decriminalizing marijuana?" Because I mean, I agree Adding laws is a bad thing, right? Like, gen- as a general principle, it's a bad thing. Right. We the better idea would just be to take the law, the law that you know outlaws marijuana, and just take and strike a, it. Yeah, just take a pin through it. Right. Unfortunately, the as I understand it, the law that outlaws marijuana is generally an, a law that essentially adopts the federal government's uh, scheduling for New Hampshire. Okay. So that's my understanding of it. Please correct me if I'm wrong about this. So basically. You can't strike marijuana from that because it's not listed anywhere. It's only listed with the federal government's schedule. And since they're not going to change that anytime soon, the state government people had to pass a new law saying, okay, well, cops, if you catch somebody with, with marijuana, you can only write them a ticket now instead of arresting them. A $100 ticket now. Okay, so they did that in 2017. That was adding a law to the books. But, but it, it has resulted more freedom. Yeah, it has resulted in thousands of fewer, thousands fewer arrests happening. People are not getting arrested now for possessing cannabis. So we use the system to tell the people who work for the system, in this case, the police, that they can't do a thing anymore. And that's the same thing as what they're doing with the teachers here. And you know what? If the cops don't like it, they should get the F out. Just like these teachers that should get the F out of New Hampshire if they don't like the fact that they can't teach these statist things. Yeah, thinking more about it, I think the phrase, the end justify the means, may need to just be expanded a little bit. Because the only way New Hampshire could have decriminalized cannabis in this scenario, if, if you're correct about how all of it works, mm-hmm. is to have gotten the federal government 
to change how they schedule cannabis. Yeah. And that might so, happen eventually, but it might. You know, we don't but know when. We can't just say the end ju- doesn't justify the means because if the end if you if you discard that, if you just go straight to federal decriminalization of cannabis is so far away mm-hmm. that so much more harm is going to be done through a year more of having cannabis de- uh illegal in New Hampshire than would be by adding this one new law. You you have to weigh things in moral relative terms. Like, yeah. okay, sure, we Adding a new law is bad for whatever reason, right? But we here's just take why that we need absolute, to do it. Yeah. But if we don't add this new law, the New Hampshire police are going to continue arresting thousands of people a year, and that's a real harm. Adding a law is not as bad as that. Right. And I understand Ridley is very concerned with, you know, the system and all that. And I, I'm with him. I wish it would just disappear overnight. Um, but well, that is the goal. That's not realistic. That's not going to happen. Um, so in the meantime, you could you could expand Ridley's statement about the end, ends don't justify the means and use that to justify never running for office and never getting getting elected. Right. Because then you're 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 at some level legitimizing the state. You're embracing the system, whether you don't like it or not. You're still doing that. And you're using the system to try to reduce the system. And it's a it's an ugly thing. And a lot of these guys and gals in, in the state house that actually care about liberty are frequently placed in some very uncomfortable voting circumstances. And I don't envy uh, the that situation at all. It sucks to be a state representative. I mean, it, it has to, and it's they're only getting paid like a hundred dollars yeah. a year plus what a stipend for gas travel or something like that. Yep. I mean, it's cool that they get the state rep tags or whatever government employees. They can actually break. They can break the law with the state rep yeah. tags if and they're going they to the state house. And they can drive as fast as they want. That's and true. They yeah. won't get pulled over. So that's that's a nice a, perk. It is a nice little perk. <laughs> so I mean, for that reason alone, it may be worth pursuing. But I mean, it's still a. It still it sounds sucks. like a nightmare. Yeah. And even if you're there, you're just one out of like four hundred and something right. other people who want to be there and want to get their mission accomplished just like you want right. to get your mission accomplished. And in a lot of cases, you know, it might not have even been uh, free staters that put this thing forward. I don't know who the sponsors were of the uh, the CRT bill, but let's presume it, that it wasn't put forward by, by free staters. It still comes in front of you, and you have to make a decision. Do you want to vote for this and ban the teaching of this pro-state, anti-First Amendment stuff from government schools, or do you want to keep that stuff? Yeah, it's not an easy decision, but I mean, in there, you're only restricting state employees and telling what state employees, they can't do it. From what I can see about the CRT, I'd have voted uh, to, I'd have voted along with them. What are your thoughts? To ban it. 603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, where as always, you're invited to take control of the airwaves. Talk about whatever you want. Share your thoughts and opinions. 603-283-6160 if you want to do that. That's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And Joe Biden wants you to have more faith in the government. See, the issue as far as I can tell is that people have too much faith in the government so much so that the whole concept of science and government and themselves as God and democracy as God is just sort of morphed into this one single religious entity that they worship in, in 
insane amounts of fervor. Well, the head priest apparently disagrees with you. Yeah, people just aren't being faithful enough. That's mm-hmm. j- You just have to pray a little bit harder. We need more blind obedience to the state. And then they can make COVID go away. Mm. And they can fix the inflation, even though, as I <laughs> Even see, though they caused it. As I saw earlier today, the Senate has passed a two and a half trillion dollar debt limit increase. So yeah, their baby. solution to having borrowed too much money is to allow themselves to borrow more money. Which is always the solution, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we knew it was coming for mm-hmm. sure. The average American probably knew it was coming as well. But for whatever reason, they the Republicans and the Democrats both agree. And is it this close to like a 10% increase to the debt limit? I don't know what the current debt le- or the uh, the previous debt limit was, so I don't know. Well, if the national debt was like $27 trillion or mm-hmm. something like that, which is roughly what it's at, then I have to imagine $28 trillion or whatever was the it's previous- It's $29 now, by the way. That's the current debt limit? Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, no, it's not the debt limit. That's the current debt. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know what the actual limit was. According to this, it is they've approved the debt limit to 31.4. So, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess that would have been somewhere around 28, 29, something like that. So roughly 10% more debt, which means that can cause more than 10% more inflation. Yeah, that's right. I'm sure they're eager to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's and I have total faith that all of this will work out just fine. The government has things under control. I'm, I'm a good little peasant following my religious beliefs so thank you joe biden for leading us into glory uh the ap is reporting here that president biden has signed an executive order aimed at rebuilding the public's trust in government by making it easier to do things like renew passports apply for social security benefits and get aid after natural disasters The idea is to put the public and customer service at the center of federal operations, saving time, (laughs) energy, frustration, and potentially money by offering better and more efficient services for the millions of routine interactions people have with the government. See, Aria, all it took was a simple executive order, and now the government's going to all of a sudden be interested in customer service. You believe that, right? None of those issues are ordinary um, experiences for Americans. Seeking debt relief, I mean, seeking relief after a a natural disaster, that's not something the average American does. If they want to show customer service in government, it would start at, like, the DMV, the post office and places like that, places that Americans actually deal with on a regular basis. What percentage of Americans even bothers to get a passport? I don't know. It's a good question. I can't imagine it's very many. There's a large number of people that never leave where they were born. Like, you yeah. know, like a quarter of any given population of any county has never left the county. That kind of thing. I, wow. I'm, stand, I'm shocked. In 2017, 42% of the total population okay. had a valid passport. How about that? I suspected it was going to be closer to like 10%. Mm. Well, the idea they say here is to make the government more efficient. Quote, the bottom line By spending more money, undoubtedly. Probably. Well, I mean, he can only write an executive order. He can't can't increase the budget, per se, of these agencies. So he's just saying, he's just saying, you guys need to get this better. Be better, government bureaucrats. Be more efficient. Because even though you have no competition and no incentive to actually achieve... I'm going to write an executive order, and then all of a sudden, voila, you're going to be efficient and friendly and customer service oriented. 
You know, I recently had to sure. go to the courthouse for a parking ticket, and I will say Oh, that, this won't affect uh, local courts. No, obviously not. This but, is only federal. But the person I dealt with that day was very friendly, very mm-hmm. customer service oriented. She was also like 26, 27 years old. Oh, tops. The poor thing. Right. And you... I know that by the time she's 40-something years old, she's going to be one of these grumpy, angry, Mm DMV-style workers. But these people, when they they start working for the DMV and the court system and the post office, they don't intend to be gruff, angry, grumpy people. No, I don't think they do. The system just turns them into that. Right. And you're not going to fix that with an executive order. No, you're not. But- the high priest Biden said before signing the order, quote, the bottom line is we're going to make the government work more effectively. This will go a long way to restoring faith in the government. And remember, when he was running for office, it really struck me when I saw his uh, Twitter profile for his campaign that it actually was that the no malarkey. thing. No, no. At the time, it might have said that at some point. I don't know. But at the, the time that I saw it, it was uh, keep the faith. Wow, was his, really? his campaign headline. Keep the faith. I have faith that he's going to say something that's senile at some point. <laughs> but that's about the only faith I can extend to Joe Biden. The measure is aimed, according to the AP, at reducing the current bureaucratic runaround, under which people have often, ha- often have to visit offices, endure long phone calls, or struggle with the delays of mail and fax machines when trying to contact federal agencies. Oh, dude, it is bad. Like one agency will say, oh, no, you have to talk to this agency. And they'll say you have to talk to agency C and agency C. It's called passing the buck. Well, yeah, they'll send you Mm -hmm. right back to agency A. And this can happen hundreds of times. That's a tall order, says the AP, considering the federal government has persisted in its lumbering ways despite repeated attempts over generations to make it more nimble. President Bill Clinton famously pledged in 1993 to, quote, reinvent government, unquote, with an interagency task force. So it's the same playbook. Yeah. He's doing the same thing that they've done previously, which is to say, I'm waving my magic pen, and we will make our government more efficient, alakazam! And it's never effective. No. The signing comes at a critical juncture for Biden to show he can deliver results. The country has seen a strong economic rebound, quote-unquote, as a coronavirus relief program sent money directly to Americans. Um, AP, that doesn't help the economy, just so you know. No, it's, it hurts the economy. It may temporarily make Americans happy, yeah. but that was also, it's been a year since Americans got that twelve, fourteen hundred dollars stimulus check, right. whatever it was, that I don't think there are very many Americans out there who still have that fourteen hundred dollars. But support for the president has slumped as the United States faces inflation at a nearly four-decade high, and the coronavirus pandemic lingers. The administration has responded by trying to amplify its message that government can make people's lives easier. <laughs> when has that ever been the case? Government, by definition, makes people's lives more difficult. That's right. All of the racism and stuff. Yes, all of the racism and stuff that we were talking about with critical race theory. The only that crap could never have happened if there wasn't a state to enforce that level of you know that whatever the term is I'm looking for. It requires the state for oppression to propagate. Because that's what the state does. To govern means to control. And so, yeah, of course, that's 
That's what that's all about. That's what they do. They're not there to make life more easy for you. They're there to put in regulations to stop you from running your business how you want to run your business, to force your kids to learn things that you might not want them to learn and force them into their schools and make all kinds of things difficult on you. I know that Elon Musk recently said that a the United States government is just a corporation with a monopoly on violence. and He nailed it. I was happy to hear that. And, of course, you had Barack Obama giving the definition of the state as, you know... Same thing. I don't remember exactly how he put it, but, yes, Barack Obama, president of the United he States... He said something like, the thing that sets the state apart is a monopoly on violence. Yes, that, that's mm-hmm. all it is, and that's all they do, is they use violence to make our lives more difficult. Right, and if you have the monopoly on violence, you don't have to give good customer service. No, because no one can argue with you because you can use violence against them... And there's nothing they can do about it. The goal, according to the story here, is, uh, according to Neera Tandon, a senior advisor to the president, quote, the executive order is really focused on how the federal government delivers services to the public and ensuring that we deliver high quality product to the public. When what is the product? Governance? Yeah, I guess so. I don't want that delivered more efficiently. When has uh, you know a monopoly ever guaranteed or given a high quality product? Almost never in the history of monopolies. Well, because it doesn't have to. It has no competition. Exactly. If they had competition, they would actually have to give something worthwhile. But the government being the government doesn't. There's more to the story. Well, there's nothing they can do to restore my, quote, faith in the American government. I imagine that's true for a lot of people out there. But what are your thoughts? Could this actually help if your DMV wait lines or whatever were, were shorter? Would that help you out? It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, where your calls and opinions are welcome. 603-283-6160 if you would like to weigh in. That's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And... I, I don't like governments at, at all. Well, I don't like states at all. But if you're going to have a state, I find the United States constitutional model to be among the least objectionable in that with its two-party system, it's sort of designed to be inefficient and to not get anything accomplished, to always be arguing with itself. Yeah, but they've made one of the largest, Yes, I didn't say defensive. it worked. Okay. <laughs> But if, okay. if they could actually somehow be held to that constitution, it probably would have been okay. But despite all of that bickering, because the bickering, it's largely just an illusion. It's a when, show. when push comes to shove, Republican, there's always enough Republicans who will cross the line to mm-hmm. vote to get a bill passed and Democrats who will cross the line to vote to get a bill passed. Like the increase in the debt ceiling. Yes, they always mm-hmm. manage to get what the state itself would actually want. That's right. So... It didn't work, but if there, if it could work, and obviously the U.S. Constitution didn't, but if there was some way, that would be the least objectionable way to do it. I don't want the government to be efficient. I don't want it to have a streamlined process for turning their wacky ideas into the laws of the land. Mm-hmm. So I like it when the government is bloated. Well, not bloated, because in order to get you know as large it is, as it is, I mean, in order to be bloated, it must be very large. So I like it to be inefficient. 
and not very good at doing things. Well, I mean, that's guaranteed to continue no matter what happens as far as Biden has signed an executive order, uh, as a story here at the AP has pointed out, that's supposed to tighten up the ship and make things efficient. And- but it won't. No. And, and the services they listed here, the make it easier to get a passport, I mean, that's good. It doesn't affect me because I'm not currently allowed to have a passport. But for most Americans, that's probably a good thing. I can tell you it won't be easy to get mine back. <laughs> <laughs> no. They and took it. I, I suspect what, if all this blows over at some point, it's, it's still going to be very difficult for me to get a passport. Mm. Time will tell. But the rest of it, economic disa- or economic recovery following a natural disaster is just... Not in a priority. Well, those are three examples that the AP gave. The story says the goal is to implement most of the order's changes across 17 federal agencies within the next year. Uh, They say that the existing funds should be enough for agencies to pay for improvements and that better service and efficiency would ultimately save the government money. And that's true if they could actually do it. I don't think they can do it, though. No, I don't think so either. Uh, Paul Light, public policy professor at New York University and an expert on federal bureaucracy. Boy, talk about something just be (laughs) awful to be an expert on. Uh, Said the initiative could be a big deal, although the Biden administration will face obstacles. He said the problem is not in the hope, but in the bureaucratic morass. The fight to improve government services requires a broad retooling of the bureaucratic wiring and flattening of the hierarchy. The federal government may be willing, but its technology is ancient its personnel system sluggish the bureaucratic layering unrelenting and that is a good point you know these bureaucrats they kind of like things the way they are sure it's job security yeah they don't have to be efficient so why should they be just because somebody with a pen at uh, the white house says they should be well they're they got themselves a union and the union says that they can get away with this stuff because, like, you can't f- make this union go faster. We've got a contract that says we'll go as slow as we damn well please. We're the union. I mean, there th- things like that are in place. To give an, people an idea of just how behind the government bureaucracies are, because it's saying they have outdated personnel systems, outdated technology, it, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies have existed for more than a decade now, and... The U.S. government bureaucracy still has not managed to put forward any laws regarding cryptocurrency. And by the time they do, the crypto world is already into NFTs and all these other things that the government is going to take another decade to get Mm -hmm. caught up on. They're perpetually behind and they, they will never be able to catch up. For retirees and the nearly 4 million Americans who turn 65 each year, the order requires they be able to claim Social Security benefits online more easily. Medicare recipients are to be able to access personalized online tools for saving money on drugs and managing their health care. Taxpayers will be able to schedule callbacks with the IRS instead of waiting on hold or having to manage issues through letters and faxes. Efforts such as these should bring government services into the digital era, says the Senior Vice President of Government Affairs for the Association for Retired People, the AARP, a, uh, if you've heard of them before. And he says, we do our banking online, we do our work online, we can order food online, we can order groceries from our phone. I think people are accustomed to that now, and they're demanding the government keep up as well. Well, good luck! It's a valid point, right? Have you ever seen government websites before? Oh, yeah. They're terrible. Most of them are absolutely awful. It was neat that I could renew my driver's license online, Mm -hmm. but that ended up not even working. Really? Which necessitated a flight down to Mississippi in order to get it worked out. So 
I mean, that was not fun. Yeah. But it, it the idea was nice. You can do all of, and it's a valid point. You know, we can do all of these other things online, but there's really nothing you can do when interacting with the government that you can do online. I was surprised to learn because everybody else was talking about having to call the DMV to make an appointment, all the being like the 170th caller in the queue and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and having to wait for six, seven hours. Oh my God. And I just went online and made an appointment with the DMV in like 30 seconds. So it's nice to have that technology. You're talking about in Mississippi? No, I'm talking about here in Keene. You're in Keene, okay. Yeah. This, it was unrelated. Mm. But it was nice to have that option because so many of these government agencies, especially at the federal level, they are still requiring, you know, you have to just call them and wait. Mm-hmm. That's the only way you can get through to the IRS other than, you know, e-fouling and stuff like that. But that's just automatic. If you have an actual issue and you need to speak with someone, you're going to be on hold for a very long time. For travelers, Americans will be able to renew their passports online, they say, instead of having to print out forms and pay with a paper check or money order. New security machines and computers. Good Lord, you can't even buy a pa- you can't even renew your passport with a credit card or debit card? Guess not. New security machines and computers with advanced screening features are to streamline the process of going through security lines for the roughly two million people who fly daily. The 45 million people with student debt will be able to manage their federal loans through a single portal instead of several websites with different passwords. Paperwork is also to be reduced for people seeking loan forgiveness. So there's some more examples of what it is they're supposed to be doing, how long it will take, how god-awful it will be uh, when they finally, if they finally do, you know, successfully implement these things. Only time will tell. But will this be enough to restore faith in government? Because that's ultimately what Biden wants this to accomplish. See, he's not as concerned with you getting your passport in a, in a quick manner. He wants you to believe in the state. Well, obviously, I mean, he's the head of the state. So it, it's yeah. useless for the Pope if no one believes in Catholicism. And if people have their faith in the Catholicism shaken as a result of, you know, all the pedophile priests that are out there, then it weakens the Pope. If people have their faith in government shaken by inefficient bureaucracies who can't deliver on any of their promises, then they have their faith in Biden. Right. Also diminished. So uh, I can see where Biden is coming from here, but it, it obviously won't work. Some of these ideas are good, but... It's shocking to think that the only way you could get your passport renewed was to fill out all of this paperwork, mail it in, along with a money order or cashier's check or whatever it was that you said. Yeah. In the year 2021, that's the scenario. Sure. Where you can get food delivered directly to your door, you still have to print off these forms and mail a check or money order to the government for passports. So that's that's not even a decade behind. That's multiple decades behind. For this government agency. An accountant based in Cincinnati and the co-chair of the advocacy group Small Business for America's Future said changes in the order are necessary because companies are frequently on their own when navigating the federal bureaucracy. She said, quote, it's needed because things have really gotten worse. There's too big a labyrinth to weed your way through when you're trying to deal with government. So they're not going to make the government less labyrinthine. They're no. just going to try to make it a little bit easier to access their quote unquote services. We'll see. I'm not optimistic. I'm not either. I mean, a lot of these things could just be done online, but then the government has to give up some level of control. They have to give up the the manual approval process for your passport that they love so much. And I don't see bureaucrats being willing to give that up. But maybe I'm wrong. What do you think? 603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live.
is on your mind. 603-283-6160. If you'd like to do that, that's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And I'm so disappointed when I look over at Restream and I see all of the chat. It's just YouTube, 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 YouTube people. Get out of there. Stop watching us on YouTube. We're probably going to be suspended by the end of tonight's episode or (laughs) by the end of tomorrow's. Or the end of the year. We don't know. No, we have no idea, but it's going to happen. We're we're going to get yep. suspended again from YouTube, and we'll be gone. Th- Stop dealing with that. You can always find us on Odyssey. You appear to like us, at least <laughs> enough to... I mean, even the haters appear to like us. I mean, they followed us to Odyssey yeah. when we were suspended from they YouTube. Did. Well, go back to Odyssey and go back to hating on us there, because you won't have to worry. They don't like Odyssey because uh, the chat never goes away. So the haters that are in the chat on YouTube, they like the YouTube chats because those get re- reset every night. There's a new chat. Right. But if you go over into the Odyssey room, you can just scroll up and see those people saying the exact same thing every night. And it just makes them look so repetitive and so boring. Well, they are repetitive and boring, yeah. but seeing it day after day doesn't make it any more exciting. I mean, they say the same things That's what I'm saying. That's the reason the they don't want to be in Odyssey because right. the other people that are watching can easily see them <laughs> just scroll up and you can see yesterday and the day before they're saying the same stupid crap and so just that's all they have they really have absolutely nothing of value to add and it's just more clear when you can when you're on odyssey and you can just go scroll back as far as you want all the more reason for people to be watching us on odyssey where they don't have to worry about whether or not these people are repeating themselves where you, well yeah and they, they also it, they also get opposition on odyssey too so yeah. like they, there's one of them in there that hates cryptocurrency well, more than one of them, but one of them it's like in their name, and so Odyssey is a crypto-friendly platform, and so there's people in there that actually get crypto, and they'll argue, they'll argue with uh, with the haters, and they don't like being opposed. Odyssey is a crypto-friendly platform for sure. You can find our channel there at video.freetalklive.com, and there you don't have to worry about whether we're going to be there from one day to the next, or whether or not you're seeing someone expressing a creative original thought or whether they say that same crap every single day video.freetalklive.com they'll take you directly to our channel and if you're a content creator you should be making your own channel where you don't have to worry about getting censored by big tech but speaking of bitcoin because you had mentioned cryptocurrency and how many of our haters are just they seem to focus entirely on the bitcoin thing and Mm -hmm. hate us for that maybe they're jealous that they, they didn't buy Bitcoin back when it was $5,000 or whatever. They'll be jealous again when it's $500,000 per Bitcoin because mm. people like that, they never learn. Mm. They sit there going, oh, man, I wish I bought it back when it was 500 or I wish I bought it when it was 5000 Realistically, you're going to be saying that same thing in a few years saying, oh, I wish I bought it back when it was just 50000 It's not too late. You can still get some. But anyway... It may be too late, according to the Bank of England. It says that Bitcoin... This is the central bank. Yes, the central bank of the United mm-hmm. Kingdom's government. Bitcoin could become worthless. <laughs> well, it could. I, I can't in imagine... In theory. You know, that, that was the reason I brought in this article. It's really just another silly ba- centralized bank making a statement about Bitcoin. But just this notion that Bitcoin could somehow become worthless. Like zero dollars per Bitcoin... Could anyone, can anyone out there, please enlighten me, 603-283-6160, what chain of events would have to occur for Bitcoin to go from 
the $50,000 or whatever that it's at now to $0 per well, Bitcoin. Short I mean, of a supernova, I don't see it happening. And a supernova would wipe out all life on the planet, so it wouldn't yeah. matter. As far as what it could what could result in that, I mean, there could be some sort of serious bug in the code or something, but that's not likely because it's been audited by probably thousands and thousands of programmers all around the planet over the last decade. And if there was so, such a – and they would patch it very quickly if would, such a yeah. thing was found. Um, uh, there could be yeah, like a mass – exodus of uh bitcoiners to something else you know something that replaces it and does a better job and the price plummets whether it go to zero because of that it seems unlikely but uh, there's but already it, stuff that's better than bitcoin and none of that caused a mass exodus no, solely because bitcoin has that name recognition yeah and it has first mover advantage as well which is how it got the name recognition because it was there first and that counts for a lot so even though it is a slow old dinosaur as far as cryptocurrency is concerned there are many other cryptos that are faster and more efficient and do things better in a lot of different ways but none of them have really really caught on and and ethereum as the number two crypto in the world by market cap isn't going to to take over bitcoin as far as you know efficiency is concerned it costs more to send an ethereum transaction so no one's going to use that for money right well the digital currency is currently valued at fifty seven thousand dollars this is an old article no it's from today that, but that line made me question whether or not it was an old article as well. I think they probably... They must have written it like a month ago or something. Yeah, I think they probably got the value of Bitcoin They're wrong. off by $10,000. It's 47000 <sighs> something. That Almost does, forty-eight. That does kind of hurt to hear. Yeah, It's irrelevant to me, but I still want cryptocurrency to be successful and to increase in value. The central bank has questioned if there is any inherent worth in the high-profile cryptocurrency. And of course, we've heard this over and over and th- they never admit it, but the reality is that there's no inherent worth in the central bank's currency either. So even yes, if it's true, but they want to misdirect you away from that and point out the flaws allegedly in the competition. Yeah, but realistically, even if it's true that there's no inherent value in Bitcoin, that just puts Bitcoin and their centralized currency on a level playing field. Hmm. Bitcoin hit a high of more than. 60- I disagree with this, by the way. I think right. that there is an inherent. Uh, backing to Bitcoin, and that is that it has a huge network of supporters and nodes all around the planet, and therefore it cannot be shut down. It cannot be stopped by government agencies like this, which is why they're attacking it verbally, because they can't physically stop Bitcoin. And it does what it says it's going to do. It will get a transaction to your intended recipient and have final confirmation of that within 10 minutes, roughly. Usually. Yeah. Bitcoin hit a high of more than $67,000 in early November, but suffered a decline in its fortune after news broke about COVID's Omicron variant. That has nothing to do with it. No, I think if anything, that would have driven the value of Bitcoin up, not down. I I don't speculate on why Bitcoin does anything, and anyone that does, I question. Yeah, because there's no way to know what is causing it. It's a global market, and there's so many different trades going on constantly. Why one thing happens versus why price goes up versus down is complete speculation as far as, you know, one human's opinion. But what's interesting about this is this is coming from the central bank of the United Kingdom. Now, whenever you have, you know, the king of the hill, right? Sir John Cunliffe. If you're the king of the hill of whatever we're talking about, you're the top 
car manufacturer, you're the top this, you're the top that, whatever. You generally do want to, want to ignore the competition, right? Like you want to focus on why you're the best, your car's the best, you're number one. You don't want to, you know, give your uh, your competition attention, right? Unless you're feeling super threatened by them. And That's even in true. that case, you should still ignore them. So this is an indicator that they are really worried. That's a good point, because if, if it was true that Bitcoin wasn't a threat to them, then they wouldn't even mention it. That's right. But it's proof, as you said, that it is a threat to They're them. They're scared. There's more coming up here, including stuff about the metaverse that we've been talking about. The media wants you to believe in, but we're skeptical here. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, where you can take control of the airwaves and talk about whatever is important to you. 603-283-6160, if you want to do that. Again, that number is 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria and Ian. And the media, for the last several weeks at least, has been making a really big deal. Every single day, just about, on Drudge Report, there's stuff about the metaverse. And it... It sounds dystopian, really, when you dr- when you drill down into what it really is. But I'm not opposed to the some of the ideas that they're putting forward here because I play video games. I, sure. I like video games. You want to put me in a virtual reality world where I can experience the physical sensations to a lesser degree, right? Like if my character gets stabbed with a sword, I, I don't want to feel like I need to go to the ER here. Just just a gentle little push from whatever haptic feedback device you have in place would be fine. Those kind of ideas sound great, but that's not what they're talking about here. When they talk about the metaverse, they're talking about something more like second life, but it takes over and sort of supplants and replaces your real life, hmm. yeah. which, which is not good. It is. I prefer the real world, or at least what I perceive to be the real world, which is this world that I'm existing in right now mm-hmm. and speaking in, not the video game world that I know is not real. But you also, you know, you don't hate life. You're not uh, constantly depressed or anxious about, you know, going out there and, and doing new things or whatever. And there's a there's a group of people that... Uh, they don't make friends easily or they're depressed and they just don't want to go out and do things. And th- these people live at uh, at home and uh, this is an outlet for them. So, I mean, it's sad, but unfortunately, it seems like that's the way things are, are going. Yeah, it, it's sad. You're, you're absolutely right. And I can't an wrap, escape. I can't wrap my head around that, though. But they can escape through video games. And they have been. This is another thing they're going to be able to escape into. Spend even more time with a VR helmet on their head. Immerse themselves even deeper. Because in, uh, you know. Why is that easier than interacting with real people, though? I, that's I the know. part I don't get. I understand if, you know, there's a game aspect to it, the game itself is fun. Mm-hmm, yeah. But if it's just you're having a VR Zoom meeting or whatever, or you're attending some digital wedding, there's nothing really fun about that that is unique to that experience i mean why it's not any easier to do that i mean it's it's easier that you don't have to you don't have to get off the couch yeah you can be lazier Mm -hmm. and still attend that wedding but it doesn't have any intrinsic value that the real wedding lacks well americans are as we reported recently fatter than ever yeah and so i mean all the more reason they should go to the real wedding (laughs) they're lazy walk there but the the metaverse will let you be thin 
that's You can true. change your uh, appearance very easily. We have a word for that called catfishing, though. <laughs> so it allows everyone to catfish, basically. Yeah. Or you can wear some wild costume or whatever. Well, I mean, you can do that in real life, too. You could. I mean... But again, people are... If that's what you want to do, do it, man. Stop letting people judge you. Put on your weird outfit. Walk down the street dressed like a dinosaur if you want. But you know and I know that the computer screen gives those people a level of separation from reality. Because it's not real. To do these things without the same consequences. They wouldn't have to... You know, if you if somebody confronts you about wearing some giant dinosaur suit or whatever, uh, in, you know, in the metaverse, you can just press log out or, you know, warp to some other area and avoid any kind of conflict. And that's what those people are looking for. Right. They want a, an easier life where they don't have to have any responsibility. I guess so. But if that person who wanted to wear the giant dinosaur outfit would just wear the dinosaur outfit, there may be a hu- huge number of people who want to wear dinosaur outfits. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, they would be inspired to do it, and it would become normalized, and no one would hassle anyone walking down the street in a giant dinosaur outfit. I'm with you. You ought to be yourself and be, you know, be out and proud about that. But yeah, just have the courage to be you. Yeah. Even if what you want to do is wear some silly costume. Now, some things are literally impossible to do in real life that you could do in a metaverse, but that's not the sort of thing they're talking about. They're not talking about letting you, you know. Play a character that has wings that flies through. I, I, you could probably. I fly. guess some of them probably do have. That's features kind of the like whole that. the whole thing behind you know virtual universes or whatever is you can do things you can't do normally, right? Uh, that's what I. You thought. can build. Uh, you can build structures that could not exist with gravity, for instance, right? Like so, a lot of these things are buildy kind of places, like Second Life, for instance, which has been around for. You know, not quite two decades, I think, uh, at this point. What was the appeal of Second Life? Like, did it have any thing you could do in it that people couldn't do in real life? Yeah, you can build things. Well, they uh, could build things in real life too. But you, ha- you can- in real life, you have you are constricted by um, things like gravity. Okay. Yes, you you do so, have to contend with gravity right. in the real world. So, like in a in a virtual world, you could build a a top heavy house that has you know a very wide you know second story and nothing below it, right? Like except nothing, right? Because it could just float there. You could do whatever I presume that you wanted to do. I've never actually spent that much time in Second Life, but I did see what some of our listeners created uh, like 15 years ago. And it was like this little listener lounge. It was pretty cool. You could stream Free Talk Live there and hang out and chat. So I imagine there's a bunch of things you can do because the laws of physics, for instance, don't apply in that way. In the same way that there are things in video games that you can do, like shoot zombies or whatever, that you really can't do, thank goodness, in real life. Right. right. And I'm... I guess I if if someone wants to be an architect or whatever and have their second story building that doesn't have a first story or whatever that that's fine too, mm-hmm. but from what we're being sold on this metaverse thing, that's really not what they're billing it as. Not like you have the story about the metaverse marriage that happened, and of course that's not even the story we want to get into. Well, they're billing the metaverse, and I, you touched on this earlier as this replacement for real life. So they're taking you what can't has get COVID. By That's attending true. a wedding in the, in the metaverse. So they're building it as it's a replacement for real life. So they've taken VR, which has previously been marketed as cool video game tech, to, hey, you can have a, a meeting. You can have a wedding. You can have a store. You can have, a you know, whatever. These things that you would normally leave your house to go and do can now be done through virtual reality. And they're calling that the metaverse. And the thing that, that's 
that I wanted to talk about tonight with this is the New York Times has a feature-length story that just goes on and on about the breathlessly announcing that someone has had a wedding in the metaverse. The he- headline, getting married in the metaverse. One couple's recent nuptials in the virtual world known as the metaverse showcase the possibilities of having a wedding unfettered by the bounds of reality. I mean, what sounds like it could be fun, but it's not a replacement for an actual physical wedding. I don't know about you, but I don't have fun at weddings. I find After the wedding can be fun. I find weddings to be absolutely intolerable. I mean, yes. The, I can't stand them. The actual so going to one ceremony online, of, the, of the wedding is not fun at all. So going to one online might, make, might even make it worse. I, I don't know. Um, but I'll tell you what. The image in this particular... I'm just going to show you, Aria, because obviously we're on the radio here. But boy, oh boy, look at this technology here with the, oh, the, wow. the lovely couple. How would you describe this image that you're seeing? For anyone who's familiar with uh, Nintendo, they're only barely more defined than Nintendo Miis. Uh, Let me think of a clearer example for people out there. Your Facebook avatar that people could make a few years ago Mm -hmm. was about on the same graphical level as these characters. It's laughable what this looks like. Minecraft is only barely less defined than what we just saw. And Minecraft was meant to be graphically insufficient or as, inferior as I, I was looking for this so when i saw this headline i didn't even read the story because all i needed to see was like this sort of oh my the metaverse has weddings oh wow look at how oh amazing this is technology and i'm thinking they must have i thought like they surely did this in second life 20 or 15 years ago right i'm sure and, they did and so i looked and sure enough there have been people having weddings online at least since the 1990s like before second life People were having weddings online. And somebody over at a website called themarysue.com really just summed this up. And they just tear this New York Times piece a new one. And I want to share that. Let's get into awesome. that because I, I want to hear that. I mean, even not getting married, even getting married in the metaverse and things like that, there's the guy who married his Nintendo DS character. Weird, weird stuff with technology and the online world has been going on for a very long time. There's nothing new in this metaverse that hasn't no. been done already. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. who is tonight's amplifier. This means that Steve is a member of the AMPS program. You can find it at amps.freetalklive.com. That's amps.freetalklive.com. Steve is a gold level member, which is the tier for $10 per month. We don't ask that much. To get it to get in, all you have to do is sign up for $5 per month. That's the silver membership. Steve is a gold level member, which Means that Steve likes the show just a little bit more, or has a little bit more that he wants to offer up and support. However, it should best be phrased. Thank you so much for that, Steve. It does come with a number of cool little features, like the Bitbox that we're giving away. That sort of thing is rare, though. And there's the app-only chat on the Matrix server, the app-only Facebook group, stuff like that. But if you join, it should be because you like Free Talk Live and you want to help us reach a larger audience. You want to show your support for the show. That's amps.freetalklive.com. We have David calling from New Mexico. David, you're on Free Talk Live. 
you know, one, kudos to Dave Ridley for demanding that uh, he be allowed to finish. Two, um, you were on to something. We kept him on for a second segment as well. I mean, yeah, he had plenty of time. Yeah, he had plenty of time. What he objected to was being talked over, interrupted when he was in the middle of making his point. Thank you for the call tonight, David. <laughs> we have a, you have a story <laughs> that, uh, I, I, I just want to get into the story that you had. And David just tends well, to yeah, waste the Well, yeah, he started by complaining segment. instead yeah. of getting to his point, whatever the hell that was. And that's never a good thing, and I don't have a lot of patience for it. <laughs> as, as he knows, which is why I'm kind of surprised he even called tonight. But mm. you have, we were talking about the metaverse, and yes. this metaverse marriage, and quote unquote. I, I, this picture here is it's a dystopian nightmare. I understand. I mean, being a trans person, I could get behind the idea of being able to create a character that you 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 want to be that mm-hmm. best represents you. But these things are so graphically bad that I can't believe that either of these individuals that took part in this wedding or any of the spectators looked at their avatar and was like, yes. That's the ideal me. Not only did they do that, apparently, but they also paid for this wedding, as the story here will reveal. So they're still just as they're still expensive, presumably. Yeah, because when I first heard about this, I'm like, okay, well, I guess it would be beneficial in that people wouldn't have to travel and uh, it'd be super cheap. But no, 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 there's a company that will make your metaverse wedding for thousands of dollars. I'll tell you about it. So the story here uh, was originally posted in the New York Times, but what I want to share with you is from themarysue.com, where, again, I was just looking around for the history of of online weddings, because I know they've been going on for decades. And so that's indeed the case. Uh, As she points out here, the lady who wrote this, credit to Brianna Lawrence, she says, recently the New York Times had a piece about a couple who'd gotten married in the, quote, metaverse. The couple, Tracy and Dave Gagnon, met in the cloud, as the article says, and were married in person back in September while also hosting a virtual ceremony for those who couldn't be there in person. So they're already married. Yes. But But they... But the news is about the the online metaverse one. She says, full disclosure, when I hear the word metaverse, I immediately picture a certain 90s computer animated series that at the time felt extraordinary with its animation and had a much younger me convinced there was a whole world inside the computer that I had in my dad's basement. Is this the reboot series? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I also think of movies like Hackers, which, yeah, I really did think hacking was that dramatic. And this is a very silly 1990s. Oh, uh, yeah, where they're hacking, typing away at the keyboard furiously, hacking into things. Yeah. Basically, when I see someone go on about the mysterious world of the metaverse, and she's putting that in quotes, in 2021, I laugh because we currently exist in a time when I can have an entire conversation with someone on the other side of the planet in seconds. It just sounds so outdated. And then she cites a tweet from someone uh, named Grim. MV Vice on Twitter that cites the New York Times article about this online wedding, and he, he or she says, every article talking about a groundbreaking metaverse thing is just something that was done a decade ago in World of Warcraft or Second Life. Anyway. They're absolutely right. I, I can't think of one, but there have certainly been, I can't think of a wedding, but there have certainly been all sorts of ceremonies that have happened within World of Warcraft. And she says, it also, in the case of this wedding provided by a company called Verbella, looks outdated too. And then cites another tweet from That Reed Bryce, who says, how does this look worse than Second Life when that came out nearly two decades ago? LOL. It does look really bad. I mean, this this could play on like 
PlayStation 2, GameCube it's era. Bad. I mean, th- they this are is 2021. Not good. According to the New York Times, Verbella is a company that builds virtual environments for events. In a time when COVID has prevented us from having events, no, it was the government. Uh, it's no surprise that there are companies offering ways to recreate what can't currently be done in person. Well, I happen to know it's happening here in New Hampshire. People are are having real life weddings. Uh, as someone who used to frequent converse, uh, conventions, a lot of them went completely virtual, some using Zoom to host panels and others actually recreating an entire exhibit hall that you could virtually walk through. That being said, the reason people are dunking on this wedding is not that we have any problem with the event itself, but the way in which the New York Times presented it as this never been done before. And is this the future we envision when watching the Jetsons tone about it? Which, LOL. No, the Jetsons didn't have virtual realities that they spent right. all of their time in. But she's talking about the tone, right? Okay. Like, like, oh, this is amazing. She says, it's not the couple's fault, of course, but this new mystical new virtual space narrative is hilarious. She says the article being linked is from 2008. She links to another person's tweet. But apparently there's evidence of virtual weddings from as far back as 1996. So people have gotten married in virtual ceremonies as far back as they could. As far back as the technology would essentially allow them to Yeah, that's 25 years ago. Yeah. Uh, Yes, there's mention of Animal Crossing at one point in the New York Times piece, but overall it's being presented as some sort of newfound technology when gamers have been going to virtual weddings for years, and those weddings can look like this these days. And then she gives an example of a wedding that happened apparently in the Final Fantasy XIV universe that looks like, well, more appropriate to the the graphic technologies of today right uh than this ridiculous cartoonish uh wedding that you've uh, that the new york times has pointed out the difference i suppose is that verbella can customize the event to look exactly the way you want at a price of course they cite the article patrick perry the d- director of event sales and partnerships for verbella so the cost of holding an event in the metaverse quote depends on what you want saying that if there's an engineer building out an MGM ballroom or something of that nature, then the cost goes up, ranging from a few thousand dollars to well over $10,000. I mean, to be fair, if you wanted to have this wedding yourself, you don't want to have to pay someone, you could do you could build it yourself however you wanted yeah. in Minecraft. That's right. It it would look or about the, the same. Or any of these other virtual worlds that are out there. I mean, And if you wanted to pay $15,000, I'm sure you could get some Blizzard developer to set you up with a wedding or something. Or somebody will rent you their already existing space for probably like, you know, 100 bucks. Uh, to be fair, the Gagnons didn't pay for their virtual wedding. The co-workers of theirs chipped in to put it together for them. According to the New York Times, Ms. Gagnon estimated it would have cost around $30,000 had they paid for it. Representatives for Verbella declined to disclose a price for the event. Verbella, my dear friend, if the final product looks like something from the early 2000s when we know it can be done better, then I'm better off using items in Animal Crossing to make my own wedding chapel. If you're going to provide a service that already exists in some way, shape, or form, you have to do something that makes it worth using you instead of, well, downloading Final Fantasy XIV and, hey, they're kind enough to give you an entire video game to go with it. And then also look at the options you get in Second Life. 
and then they link over to uh, apparently the Second Life official website has an entire section about online weddings. So <laughs> she points out Ver- Verbella has a lot of catching up to do. She says, I think a part of me is also especially salty because I grew up in a time when doing such a thing was seen as weird and a sign that someone was too obsessed in whatever game they were playing. The thought of having weddings in game was met with this sort of seek help dweeb mentality. That's kind of true. Yeah. Uh, She says, I do feel uh, some kind of. I feel some kind of way when it's presented as this new, innovative idea instead of acknowledging that it's been here the whole time. So that's kind of the point here is like. That's what they're acting like with this metaverse is all this stuff that's really just old hat being repackaged by Facebook and these mega corporations now acting like it's something fresh. Yeah, and it's not. And it's crap. It, it's not a fresh new, load of crap. And it looks terrible. Uh, this isn't the first screenshot or image we've seen of the metaverse. They've also shown some buildings and stuff like that. They're not any more impressive than this is. I mean,. Well, it's supposed to be accessible by people, but on the other hand, Facebook is only letting VR customers in to their uh, Horizon Worlds thing that they just released. So who the hell's going to be there? It's going to be empty. I I won't get the Oculus Rift because I don't understand why it has its own library of games instead of just basically being a glorified display and controller that you connect to your PC. Because control. Because Facebook wants to have control. But it would be so much easier if that's what VR was, especially on PC. But it's not. And it would look better if they weren't doing it like this because this looks terrible and I don't want to have anything to do with it. Can you imagine it's, paying for this? $30,000 of that. <laughs> We're out of time for tonight. You can join us in laughing at these people at chat.freetalklive.com. That's our social media server, our chat server, chat.freetalklive.com.